Donald Trump is 190.5 centimetres tall. That's about that much taller than I am. He's quite a tall man, at least physically. Zacchaeus was obviously short and must have been quite short, otherwise we wouldn't be bothered with this, knowing about this in the story. Except that often in these ancient texts, when you get some piece of physical information about someone, and there's very little of it when you read not only the Bible, but all the ancient texts of this time, we don't know much about what people look like. When we do, it's to tell us something important, not so much about what they look like physically, but what that means. They're what happens to you physically means something about who you are as a person. And the word that the, is used for the height of, of Zacchaeus or his stature is about not only his physical height but the kind of person he was. What level of character and maturity that he had. Because you could be really tall and be a very small person. And Donald Trump is a kind of exemplar splashed across our screens, whether we like it or not, that we can't ignore. A tall, rich man who, as we know, day after day, has to, some, for some reason, bolster himself. He has to tell us that he is a very stable genius. And he has to tell us that he has great and unmatched wisdom. Now, it's, it's so absurd, it's like a joke, and comedians are struggling to find a way of making something that is that absurd even funnier. It's a hard gig to be a political comedian at the moment, because he is so bizarre. He considers himself to be a greater president than Abraham Lincoln, who freed the slaves. And we could just go on and on, and I bet if you turned on your Twitter feed right now, there'd be something absurd being said by Donald Trump in all caps. A tall man physically who, for whatever reason, needs to be bigger in everybody's eyes than the rest of us. Doesn't matter how tall he is physically, some reason he needs to climb, just like Zacchaeus, needed to climb up to show himself for who he was. And in one reading of this story, where Richard read that I now give half my possessions to the poor... It could be read as, because of you, Jesus, and having met you, I now give half my possessions to the poor. It also could be read because the Greek language in which this was all written down so long ago is really ambivalent. It could just as easily mean, I already give half my possessions to the poor. I already do it. And I like that reading. I like the reading of somebody who is needing to big note themselves. And as I say, Donald Trump, I mean, if you wanted to teach this stuff to any kid anywhere in the world, all you need to do is sort of prop him up. It's grotesque. So what if you give all your, half your possessions to the poor? If you're rich, and some of the translations underline this by saying he's very rich, what does it mean to give half your possessions away? Not much. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world at the current time. He has 160 billion Australian dollars. He could give away half his fortune and not even notice it happens. One of the business papers estimated that, if, that for Bezos, spending a million dollars is like an average Australian 
spending 10 bucks. That's the, the damage it does to his bank account. If after church, please don't do this because I haven't got any money on me, you ask me for 10 bucks, that's no sweat. I mean, I'm fortunate I'm making an income. For some of us, 10 bucks is a big deal. But for the average working Australian or person on a reasonable income, 10 bucks is neither here nor there. For Bezos, it's a million dollars. So to give away half your income, what is that? What kind of boast is that? He has a dip in the stock market and loses a couple of billion bucks, and I bet he doesn't sweat at all. Doesn't make any difference to what happens when he gets up the next day. He also doesn't appear to be a very generous person, Bezos. He um, has refused to sign the. Um, the giving pledge that um, Bill Gates has put together that the, the ultra, ultra wealthy people will have pledged to give away all of their money, or most of their money, I think they say, uh, uh, before they die. And Gates is trying to do that, obviously, in his big foundation. And Bezos apparently doesn't, doesn't think that's something he wants to be a part of. If I have cheated anyone of anything, I am paying back four times as much. What do you mean, if I am cheating anyone? You only get to be rich if you're a tax collector in this time, day and time by ripping people off. The short story is you get a contract from the government, the Romans in this case, and they say, we need this much tax. However much you get, you, beyond that you can keep. Unless you're a really, really ethical person, it's very hard to go a little bit, it's not very hard to go a little bit more and then a little bit more and a little bit more and suddenly you're screwing people for all they're worth and making yourself rich. If I have cheated anyone, you can imagine the crowd going, oh yeah, if. And anyway, four times is exactly what the law in, in, that the Jews lived under required. It's no big deal. If I came in here next Sunday and said, I paid my speeding, I paid my, my, my speeding fine and waited for applause, that's what you do. You know, you're stupid enough to speed, you get a fine, you pay it. it, it you don't talk, you don't, I pay back four times, what yeah, well of course you do, because that's what you're required to do. And anyway, if I've defrauded anyone, that's the non-apology that our politicians are used to giving us day in and day out. Well, if anybody at all has been offended by anything I've said. Look at that, that you, Read the sorry story of Angus Taylor in our newspapers in the last couple of weeks. Our Federal Emissions Reduction Minister having a fight, God knows why, with the mayor of a city. It's not sorry for what I did, but if you were offended at all, I'm, of course I'm sorry that you're offended, always in the passive voice, always a partial apology. That's the story I reckon we're reading here. So, what's the big deal? The rich are doing what the rich always do. They get richer. And as Peter Garrett told us, the rich get richer and the poor get the picture. But what does Jesus do? This is a great story. What does he do? He says, let's go home to your place. I know what you're doing. I know your need to big note yourself. I know your need to be the big man. To be the one that never gets hurt, that is always on top of everything, that is wise and stable and genius. 
But let's go to your home, to where you really live, to the deepest place where you are a human being. Let's go there and see the real you, the real person that we hide from the world. And Jesus says, because this one, talking about Zacchaeus to the crowd, even this one is a son of Abraham. That doesn't mean much to us unless we're Jews. But what it means in this context is even this one is welcomed, worthy and loved. Even this bugger, even this person who is willing to rip off his neighbours, the people he lives next door to, who's willing to tear strips off them in order to get rich. Even this one who can't lie straight in bed, even this one who has to tell tall tales every time he gets in front of the camera, even this one is loved. You know, where, how uncomfortable do you get? It might just be me. When you meet a woman caked in makeup or a bloke with a comb over, you kind of feel sort of a bit embarrassed for them. Like, do they not know that we can... Do they think we're not aware of this mask that they're putting on? And we're embarrassed because we're much cleverer than that. We have be- I've got a much better mask than that. I don't cake myself in makeup. I don't do a comb over. I use much subtler masks, which I hope you can not see behind. But we're all doing it. We've all got this thing going on where we can't afford for real, for, to be really seen by people as we really are. I know people who've been together in a, in a loving relationship for years and often will say at a dark moment that they don't really know the other person. And they don't feel really known by them. And they've slept next to each other for decades. We're all doing this. And Donald Trump is so embarrassing to us. I reckon one of the reasons why it is, not only because he's a very powerful man who, on a whim, can damage people's lives and is doing it daily in a way that you and I can't, but there's something so... Horrible to see somebody so blatantly and so badly trying to protect himself from being seen for who he truly is. We don't want to live like that. We want to live in a world of graceness, gracefulness, where we're invited in and welcomed and loved for who we are with all our scars and stupidities, all the things that we try and hide from each other. That's the world we want to live in. And all the stuff we get isn't going to fix that. And the, the kind of cleverness that we have with each other isn't going to do it. What if we didn't need to hide? What if we didn't need to make ourselves better, taller, smarter, wiser, richer, in order to be loved? What if we were just welcomed as a child of Abraham, as a real human being, at any moment? What if grace... It's a wonderful word, that sense of relaxing, of freedom in it, of being truly yourself, of being at home with who you are and at home with the other people who love you. That's the kind of community we all want to live in. And I reckon that's what Jesus is doing in this story. He's inviting even this bloke, even this guy, all the damage that he's done. And this is not, you know, Donald Trump might be doing damage to the world, but he's a long way away. 
In this story, these people live next door to each other, literally. He's doing damage to that person right there. And that person over there who he's related to. And this person over here is part of his clan. He's doing damage to those people all day, every day. Even he is given grace and welcome. Even Donald Trump. Even you. Even me. All of us.